Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask Mapped, episode 122. Welcome back to live Q&A with some of the Mapped advising team. Really excited to be here. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Rachel Grubbs. I'm one of the Mapped co-founders, along with my colleague here, Dr. Ryan Gray. Who did? How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. What's going on? Well, it's Wednesday. It's it Ask is. Map time. That means it's one of my favorite hours of the week. What about it's, you? It is Ask Map time. Uh, this is definitely my favorite hour of the week. Nice. Except all the other hours are my favorite, too. <laughs> <laughs> also oh, with dang. us, Verinia Granum, uh, <laughs> Masters of Education. Oh, wait, sorry. I missed whatever humor was happening there. <laughs> nice hump day. Uh, yeah. What day is it? Hump it's day. Hump day. It's one of my favorite commercials. <laughs> Hello. Such a good I, lo- I love that commercial. Geico crushes. Whoever their ad agency is, they, they need to be paying them more. Seriously. Anyway, Hi, friends. Sorry. Hi, Verinia. Uh, <laughs> So former assistant dean of pre-health, whoops, wrong person. You're not Brenya. There you go. Uh, former assistant dean yes. of pre-health and STEM advising at Hofstra University. So you were in academia for a long time, mm-hmm. helping hundreds of students every year go on to med school, dent school, PA school, you name it. We're so yeah. excited you're on the MAP team. It's been, what, a year, year and a half now? It's hard to believe. Too it long. really is I hard mean, to believe. We love you. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's been great, though. It really has. Um I just can't believe it's been a year already. One full cycle now. That's what I was just going to say. So you are wrapping up work with most of your first Mm -hmm. full cycle students here with us. Obviously not the first year you've helped people apply to schools. But what's on your mind? It's mid-October. For people who are applying this year, who have applied or maybe wrapping up final details, who are hoping to start med school next summer, what's, Mm -hmm. what's on your mind? What do you feel like they need to be thinking about? I think, oh, sorry, I don't know what is happening today with my audio. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound a little you faint, but we can low. hear you. How, how's this? Low, low, low. Okay. Any better? There we go. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, thinking for the next cycle that students should um, be finishing up whatever coursework they're working on right now, you know, keep keep that momentum going if they're in classes right now, doing well in those classes. Um, hopefully they're prepping for MCAT. Right. That's coming. That's coming down the pike for them if they haven't taken it. Um, mm-hmm. Registrations next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but but honestly, just focus on that. Focus on finishing strong what you're doing right now and then start thinking about how you're going to craft your story and your personal statement. Think, Start reflecting on all you, you know, everything you've done up to this to get to this point um, and how you're going to talk about that in your personal statement. Um, but but really just stay focused on what you're doing right now, finish strong, whatever it is that you're working on right now, so you can get ready for the cycle for the cycle next year. And what about the students who are in the current cycle who are, you know, have hopefully at this point submitted 
yeah, secondaries yeah. and getting interviews or maybe even some acceptances. Yeah, just um, keep, keep, stay motivated. It's hard when you get to this point, maybe you haven't gotten any interviews yet and you haven't heard anything yet. It's okay. It's still early, right? We talk about this all the time that it's not, um, it's just really just starting now to kind of get into that hump of like, okay, you know, that first round of interviews went, um, I haven't heard anything. I'm starting to get nervous, um, but it's still early. So, so keep practicing, keep, um, stay motivated. That's the hardest part. Um, kind of just waiting throughout, waiting through these next couple of months, um, stay off all those other websites <laughs> that people tend to go to, to brag about all the wonderful acceptances they're getting. Um, it's okay. It's okay. It's still early. I agree. It is definitely still early. I will gently push back. Most of the time, I'm not a huge SDN fan, but SDN is pretty good at announcing things like, hey, it looks like this school released some interviews today or the school True. released some acceptances mm -hmm. today. And I do think that's useful. Um, but yeah, grain of salt with a lot of the stuff on, on those forums. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're getting a sample size and accuracy is a question mark. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> what about you, Dr. Ryan Gray, as we're waiting for our first few questions to come in, what's on your mind this time of year that you think pre-meds should be thinking about? Um, obviously Christmas and Hanukkah presents, like making sure that you are sending Santa Claus your list or Hanukkah Harry, your list of what you want. Yeah. Um, because if you don't ask, you don't get it. So if you want that, uh, MCAT sets that book, that online course from Blueprint MCAT or wherever. You gotta put it on your list. <laughs> MCAT preps right around the corner. Um, as we're talking, it's it's October nineteenth. MCAT registration opens up next week, and so if you're planning on taking the MCAT, kind of January, March, April timeframe for next year next cycle 2023 to apply in 2023 to start medical school in 2024 mm -hmm. can't believe time flies how fast is going uh you need to start digging in making sure you have your plan all set out yep and well so i we've got banners up you talked about mcat prep but my brain when as soon as you said um traditional end of year holiday gifts went to some of the services we offer so if you're looking into doing application um, prep for next year. We've got one-on-one -on -one advising. We've got group, um, the Group Advising Application Academy. Um, and also right now we're doing an interview sale. So even for people who are in the current cycle, now's a great time if you need interview prep to sign up. I don't know if we have a banner. Maybe we can make one quickly, but um, we are doing a sale through Monday the 24th. So if you're watching this live and are interested in interview prep, you can get 25% off um, by using the coupon code um, it's oct25 off, so like October 25% off is what it stands for. I think we can get that up. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's see what questions we have from the audience today. She says, I'm a private tutor for those who I connected via Facebook, not a certified teacher. I just grade, I just grade bio. Graduated. I just graduated with bio and a high GPA. Can I put this on my application? Who would be my contact? I tutor three college students and a family friend. 
Yeah, you can absolutely put that on your application. So here's the deal with activities. It's all an honor system. So um, for those of you that are applying next year, it's not too soon to go read the um, AMCAS handbook. Um, the handbook is written for this cycle. They do do an update every year, but it doesn't change much. So it's, it's a good idea to read it now and just get an idea of what's coming. Um, it's not a fun read, but you read it once and then you bookmark it and just use it as like a control F reference. Oh, hey, also, <laughs> we have a book. <laughs> read that too, uh, premedplaybook.com friends. But so yeah, the answer here is any activity, put a supervisor if you can. Um, if you need to put a peer because there's no supervisor, that's okay. And if you need to put yourself, that's also accepted. Um, you just have to, you probably won't have to defend it, but if you have to put yourself, make sure that if you were asked, you can clearly explain why. And in this case, you can't. You can just say it wasn't a company. I'm a private tutor. Good question. Jan says, I'm graduating this semester with a 3.97 and I'm interviewing at a few schools. Congratulations. How much does my last semester GPA matter? <laughs> LOL, can I get B's? <laughs> All right, Verenia, you're chuckling too. You want to tackle this one? Yeah. I mean, I'm never one to say, go ahead, rest on your laurels. You, you, you've earned it, but you've got a strong GPA, clearly. Um, you know what? <laughs> You should still finish strong is what I'm trying to say. You know, if, if it's, it's, you know, senioritis kicks in, I get it. But you don't want to slack off either. It matters because medical schools will eventually still get your your full transcripts. Um, you know, if it depends on the course, too. I mean, if it's still a course that's, you know, important for your GPA, for your um applications, things like that, like a science course or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's still important, but you can get a B. I don't think I don't think that's gonna significantly um, throw you off course. Again, though, I don't want you to just sit back and just kind of sit on your laurels either. You still have to kick butt. Right. Yeah, something I've heard Dr. Wright say um, is that med schools do reserve the right to um, rescind offers if there are egregious things. Yeah. Now, I don't call a couple bees egregious, but just so that people understand the principle behind our question, while Jan specifically said, can I get a couple bees? And it sounds like Jan's got a stellar GPA, so a B or two may not hurt that much. Um, mm -hmm. You are you're still applying until you start school, right? Yeah. So even after you've had an offer, if something really big happens, they can take back the offer. Yeah. All right, Jacob says, do admissions committees keep files on students based on interactions at tabling events or fairs? Hmm. Ryan Gray, you wanna talk about this? They can, <laughs> they definitely can. So be prepared, uh, do not go up and make a fool of yourself and then they will remember you. Um, uh, tabling is a, a very, very, very um, expensive thing for schools to do. And to to buy the table, to send everyone there, to be in front of students, they are doing it because they want to meet you. And so they're not there just to forget about you. So forget about it. Um, so they they definitely can keep files on you. Yep. Uh, 
no guarantees they won't. Uh, Ritanshi, I'm an international student doing my bachelor's from ACPHS in New York. I'm in my junior year and people say that I cannot think of applying next year if I do not get at least a 518 in the MCAT. Is this true? Oh, the people say comment. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. I feel like they're trying to scare you. Um, there is no one number that's going to get you in to med school. It just doesn't work that way. We have seen people who had 4.0s and 528 MCATs who did not get any acceptances. So while stats matter, stats don't guarantee a thing for you. Um, if what you're asking, which is maybe the heart of your question is, um, is it sometimes more competitive for international students? I think that the answer is yes, because there aren't very many med schools that accept international students. I, the last I heard, I think it was around about a third of all of the US med schools. So you definitely need to do your research and make sure that you're applying um, to schools that are, you know, have a history of accepting international students. Um, but, but a 518 is not some magical line that yeah. gets you in or keeps you out. Yep. There's no magic around it. All right, our friend Jawad. Jawad says, how to deal with being overwhelmed by unfulfilled activities like shadowing, non-clinical volunteering, and MCAT prep in a condensed amount of time, i.e. in less than two years? Uh, prayer? Meditation? <laughs> I don't know if he means unfulfilled by I didn't do it or unfulfilled by, as in I'm not enjoying this. I read that as unfulfilled like still have to do, mm -hmm. right? I, yeah, like because I okay. think if he found found it unfulfilling, he would have said so. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. So trying to do everything in less than two years, it's not going to look very good, <laughs> right? It's going to look like you packed everything into two years. Um, so potentially, maybe thinking of pushing off your application, give yourself a little bit more time to get a little bit more experience, to get a little bit more perspective, um, be able to tell stories and reflect on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, that's, that's one way to go about it. Potentially mm -hmm. thinking of just waiting a little bit longer. It's okay. Ryan, any thoughts here? Yeah. I mean, it's better late than never. Uh, I think. Yep. You, you just got to do what you got to do, making sure that grades aren't slipping, making sure that MCAT prep isn't slipping. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a very common thing, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Sebastian Penalosa says, I'm applying May 2023. When should I apply for the 101 advising program offered by MAP? Thank you. Oh, Sebastian, remind me to slip you $20 later. Thanks for giving me a chance to advertise. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say as soon as you're ready, um, we are accepting students now. Traditionally, what we think the ideal one-on-one -on -one advising program is, is let yourself rest or focus on school or MCAT in the fall and enjoy. I know not everyone celebrates holidays at the end of the year, but that is a time of year that typically people are on break. So enjoy that break if you get one and then start fresh after the new year. Um, but you may not wanna to wait to enroll by then because we do have limited capacity. We're, we're a smaller company than um, 
than some of the other one-on-one advisings there. And I think enrolling in the fall just to reserve your spot is, is a smart way to go. So um, registrations are open. Feel free to enroll when ready. Yep, yep. Morgan says, I'm taking classes online at community college to boost GPA, but I've heard mixed reviews about how medical schools view online courses. Advice on how to approach taking classes for future semesters. Right, Gray. Want to help Morgan here? Taking classes at community college. Oh, my gosh. Haven't you heard you're not allowed to do that? Just kidding. Just kidding. Stay off it. I'm like slash S. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I, I think this is a very common question. And actually, I just mm -hmm. answered it on the old pre-meds podcast that came out today, I think. Um about community college and online courses. Uh, I, and the question, I think that the specific question that I answered was, is there bias or is there prejudice or however you want to language that um, around online classes or community college classes? And the answer is yes, there could be. Um, specifically, the, the school that comes to mind most recently is Northwestern. They... Um, said something at some sort of online virtual fair or something or other that a student took to believe that she wasn't allowed to take community college classes. That was clarified that, yes, they will accept community college classes, yet the rigor of the classes is looked at when determining academic ability, so on and so forth, which is code for we don't like community college courses, which is code for you suck. Um, so... There is bias out there, depending on the school, depending on the admissions committee for community college classes. Same thing for online. The opposite, uh, we had this big pandemic where medical schools had to teach online courses like they they went online, just like undergrad institutions, et cetera. And Hopkins is the, the big one that comes to mind because they went completely the opposite way where historically they didn't want online courses. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute, we're teaching medical school online. Why are we going to bias uh, undergrad students from taking online courses? And so they changed their policy and said, we will accept online courses, period. No yep. matter what time, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, during pandemic, we're changing our policy. We now understand, we have seen firsthand that we can teach classes online, that there's, there's not a significant difference there. So they are biased in the other direction. So there, there's going to be bias. Um, the best place to look specifically for online courses is the MSAR. They, they have a nice good database there for online courses, AP credits, et cetera. Uh, the community college thing is going to be a school by school. You're not going to find much published data out there for it. So understand that there's bias and uh, also understands that it's not every school. And so build school lists, apply, do what you need to do to be successful as a student, financially, et cetera, and uh, crush fingers. Yep. Oh, I think uh, our, I think Marissa is having some tech difficulties, so I'll find us a comment while she resolves her Wi-Fi.
Kenny says, no questions. I just wanted to mention that I've had a chance to talk to you wonderful advisors on the mapped app and it's amazing. Well, thanks. Thank you, Kenny. Uh, yeah. So Kenny's talking about Mapped Pro. So Mapped is our software platform where you track your activities, track your hours, your courses, uh, track your MCAT scores, start working on your applications, uh, work with your own uh, school advisors, all for free. Mapped Pro allows you to talk to us one-on-one -on -one, uh, with your own personal information all right there that we can see and give you very specific nuanced advice on. So go check it out. I was gonna do a quick visual tour. So yeah, with uh, with Map Pro, you can uh, you can message us, and we'll we'll take a look at your file. The most common thing we get is people who want to enter all their courses and activities, and then have us kind of look and help them decide if they're ready to apply in the next cycle or not. Um, obviously, it's not comprehensive. We can't. It's not the same level of depth you would get if you signed up for a full book uh, online session, but we can certainly help you make those decisions through the math yeah. advising chat. Cool. All right. Smiley uh, or Heather. I don't know if Smiley is an adjective or a <laughs> first name. So Smiley Heather, she wants to know, do medical schools want to see that applicants know what the healthcare system is like, i.e. they're aware of the many ways that physicians burn out have plans to mitigate it? That's mm. a good question. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Ryan? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what shadowing's for, right? Shadowing is understanding what the life of a physician is, what the healthcare system looks like, knowing that physicians are not spending the majority of their time interacting with patients. They're spending a lot of time charting and talking to other healthcare providers and arguing with insurance companies and, yes, dealing with burnout. So, yeah, I don't think you need to specifically force in, well, I understand that burnout is a big thing and here are the ways that I'm going to mitigate it, right? You don't need to force that in anywhere you can. If a question comes up like, hey, physicians are, are burnt out, what are you going to do to, to make sure you're not, right? Mm -hmm. And then you talk about what you do for stress relief, exercise, sleep, whatever, Netflix, yep. binge. <laughs> Yoga. Um, always going to plug yoga. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, Smiley Heather, this also gets at why shadowing in the U.S. is important. Um, you know, I definitely talk to students all the time who get opportunities to shadow in other countries, and there's nothing wrong with that. But because the healthcare in the United States is unique and um, very <laughs> trying to not be too pejorative here <laughs> too neat. because it's a too complex neat. system. Um, it's, it's, you definitely want to see what the life is like here versus in other countries where billing is like not highly prioritized because it's all paid for by the government. Um, so, so yes, important to shadow and important to shadow here in the U S. Caitlin says, I'm currently a senior in mechanical engineering with a 3.56 GPA. Hey, good job. Uh, I made one C in one of my engineering courses, and I wonder if I should retake this course to boost my GPA for medical school. Don't. That's a no for me. Yeah, that's a no for me, too. <laughs> don't, don't put yourself through that torture. Three knows. You're not going to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't get the gold. So one thing, Caitlin, it's not going to do that much of a boost because you're a yeah. senior. 
So you have a lot of credits. You probably have at least 90 credits right now. Um, and me, uh, med schools do not accept grade replacement. So even if your school does grade replacement, the med school application will not. So that C is still going to be on the record. So you might get an A or B and mitigate it to make it look like a C plus or a B, you know, when the two are combined, but both the original course and the second course grade will go into your GPA calculation. Uh, the only time I really think people need to retake is when they get a C minus or lower and it's a medical, a medical school prerequisite. But since it was a C, not a C minus, and it was an engineering course, I think you just mm -hmm. reflect on, was there something I could have done different and move on? Yeah, don't be an engineer. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, it's a little late to tell her that senior year um, but yeah you were brave and honestly 3.56 in mechanical engineering although med schools don't really take major into account i'm just personally saying you must have crushed it right because yep. that is no joke yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. russell wants to know would a peer tutor be a leadership position would getting my aemt be worth it if i'm an emt now so leadership to me is any opportunity where you have to step up and take responsibility. I think sometimes, um, I don't know if Russell, this is what you're getting at, but a lot of students, when they ask me about leadership, when I probe further, I find that what they're actually asking about is being an officer of import in a student club. And those can be leadership roles, but sometimes officers and student clubs have almost no responsibilities at all. And it's mostly just a nomenclature thing, you know? So I, it's less about the title peer tutor and more about what did you do? What did you get out of it? Um, so I think you get to decide whether or not you think it was a leadership position. You have to see, can, can I make a case for it? Like you don't have to write your essay now, but you should be logging all of your activities somewhere. You can obviously do that for free and mapped, but spreadsheet, handwritten notebook, whatever. And when you're logging those activities, you're not just logging dates and hours, you're also logging just a few short notes, right? Again, it's not your essay yet, but just journaling highs and lows, key moments. And I think as you're doing that, you just have to decide, does this, this feel like something that I think I could describe as leadership later? And then regarding the EMT, uh, I'm not really sure what you mean by worth it. But if you want more job experience, if you want to advance to the AEMT and you're going to you want to get that additional work, great. But again, it's not going to be about getting the certificate. It's about what you do with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Anonymous ant. If I'm in a master's of science, medical science program offered through a med school, is it a normal MS or an SMP? How are these GPA viewed? Do outcomes know if a certain program GPA holds weight versus being inflated? Ooh, meaty question. Uh, I wish Dr. Wright were here this week because he <laughs> loves to talk about master's programs. Uh, Rainey, you want to take a stab at this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an MS, but it's also an SMP, right? It's preparing you for medical school on the master's level. How are the GPAs viewed? I mean, it's viewed, it's another data point for medical schools to look at, see how you did in the program. Um, it's not necessarily, it's not replacing your undergrad GPA, but it does show um, sort of that you've done well in, if you're assuming you're, you're doing well in it, that you've done well in another academic program. Um, 
As far as do adcoms know if a certain program's GPA holds weight versus being inflated, I'm not 100% sure on that. I don't think that's, um, I think that's something that I think medical schools will look at that data and decide how they want to look at that data. I don't know if there's information out there about whether or not it's weighted. It's, or, it's not or, like it comes you know, with an included. asterisk to say, yeah. we okay. severely right. inflate our GPAs. Right, yeah. right. So I don't think um, you need to... I don't think you should worry about that part of it. Um, just do the best you can. And, right. And I agree. I wouldn't worry about it because you can't control it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why schools look at GPA and MCAT because schools do grade differently. So that's a way of offering a different data point that's standardized. Um, I know one thing that Dr. Wright often mentions is that um, many, many adcoms prefer upper level undergraduate courses. So whether that's actually an undergrad or a formal post-bac or a DIY post-bac, because they're, those courses are more well-known and understood where there is a huge variation in the degree of rigor in master's programs. Um, and you already mentioned you're in a master's program, so I'm not trying to bum you out, just being honest. Um, but um, what, you know, you said it's an MS of a medical science program. You said it's offered through a med school. So that's leading me to guess that you're doing a lot of rigorous science and that's good because that's really what med schools are looking for. If you're, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you're doing this additional coursework, my assumption is because it's because you're trying to prove that you're a good student who can handle hard science. So I would say that that's the thing you should be worried about is taking as many challenging upper level bio biochemistry kind of courses as you can. And doing well in them. Yeah. Improving it, you know, cause it's going to go about 10 X as fast next year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. make, make it sure you're nimble with those study skills. <laughs> yeah. So that, let me just like the questions here like, aren't actionable questions. Like you can't do anything about, is it an MS or is it, is it an SMP? Like that doesn't affect anything. And then how are the GPAs viewed? You can't control that. So what's the question for in my mind? So it's like, yeah. what are you going to do with that information to go, Hey, yeah, med schools really know your specific program. GPAs are super inflated. Are you going to quit? Like, are you going to drop out of your program and go do another program? Probably not. You're going to stay in the program. You're still going to try to get as good of grades as possible. That's the goal is to get good grades doing whatever you're doing. So mm -hmm. that, yeah. th that's the only thing that you can affect in this process is your grades in your program. Go do, go do well. Yeah. 100% agree. Cutting through the nonsense, our Ryan Gray. He's good like that. Stop the madness. <laughs> All right. Heather Jennings says, what angle would you suggest discussing a rough mental health recovery journey without making it sound like fake or like everything is 110% when it's more like 87%? Heather, if you are 87% in your mental health and you're crushing it, mm -hmm. uh, that is a really good score. Um, I mean, it's an arbitrary number, right, that you pulled out of your hiney for this <laughs> quick question. Um, yeah, so this is subjective. And I don't think any of us can tell you what angle to take because it should be authentic and true to you. And we don't know those details. Um, but I do personally think that it's okay to talk about um, rough mental health um, if it's germane to the thing you're talking about, right? So what, 
you didn't mention where you want to talk about this. Is it, you know, have you already applied and it's in an interview? Is it in your personal statement for next year? Um, and what I would say to keep in mind about wherever you decide to share it, which sometimes it does come up in a personal statement, is you do not have to tell your whole life story in the personal statement. And in fact, you can't because it's only 5,300 characters. That's about one page and a little more single spaced. So you don't have a lot of space in your personal statement to tell everything. And what you should be focusing in on is why medicine. So personally, I don't think you should ever have any shame in talking about mental health, but my two big caveats are one, make sure it's relevant to what you're doing at the moment. And then exactly to the point you made, I don't think you have to sound fake, but you don't want to talk about um, anything that's still raw, right? So um, one of the phrases I've used in the past is, it's okay to talk about scars, but I wouldn't talk about open wounds. And I, I mean that um, figuratively, right? Um, so if it's the kind of thing that even when it comes up with friends or family, you still break down in tears, you're probably not ready to share it with an ad com yet. But if it's a battle you fought and won, and now you're just working on maintenance and you're doing much better, um, then I think it's okay to talk about the wisdom you acquired, again, if it's, if it's germane. Jenna wants to know, I've taken the MCAT multiple times, but my first attempt was the highest at 496. Sad face. Uh, that's hers, not mine. <laughs> uh, anxiety is playing a role with my practice exams being over 500. Not sure what to do. And then this question gets cut off. Uh, are there schools that take the highest score? <laughs> yeah, some do. Um, it varies. Uh, some schools take the highest score. Some schools take... Um, the first score, some scores take the last score, some schools take an average. Um, that goes some, into the same thing. Just, some people mm -hmm. do super score. Um, it, that's kind of rare, but yes, some do do a super score. Um, you can't control it. You won't know. So I wouldn't attempt to play that game because the, the rules are not known to, to anyone, not even to the med schools, because the decisions they make vary year to year based on who's leading their admissions and the members of the committee. Um, so uh, I think the bigger thing to think at, and you did get at this in part of your question is like, if anxiety is playing a role, what can you do to work on that? Um, and uh, you know, Blueprint is great. They have a lot of free resources. So I would definitely recommend checking them out just to see you know, what wisdom they offer. Um, but one of the things I've seen over the years in MCAT prep, is sometimes when people have um, anxiety with testing, they're not allowing themselves to experience practice tests as much like the real thing as possible. And so this is very basic. It doesn't, doesn't get over prep. You still have to do great prep. But if you're finding that when you do untimed passages or just timed passages at home in your room and you can get you know, 70, 80% accuracy, and then you go take a practice test and you fall apart, then what I would say is, go make yourself take practice tests in public, right? Like put on a mask, go to the library, sit there in full clothes and shoes and do the whole six and a half hour shebang in one sitting. Well, not one sitting, like with your same breaks that you would take on the MCAT, like get your body used to that experience. Um, but if when you're doing homework and not kind of putting pressure on yourself, you're still getting lower percentages, then it's probably something you said you might, it might be anxiety, but the big question is how to practice test scores compare to official over time, right? So you said highest was 496, but it sounds like at least once you've gotten over 500, 
if you're doing that consistently, getting over 500 on practice tests, then then that's where I say go back and make sure you're taking your practice tests in the same way that you're going to take your test day exams, um, just to eliminate any physical errors there. Um, and if you've done all that and you're still having trouble, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. I can't give you this advice, but there are lots of resources out there that work with um, with anxiety, right? So maybe you need to look at some resources for help outside of MCAT prep that are more about your emotional state. Uh, speaking of which, if you go to premedyears.com slash... What episode is this? I don't see the episode. Uh, 337. Premedyears.com slash 337. I did speak to Dr. David Pewter, a psychiatrist who deals with a lot of medical students with test anxiety for their boards. I am. Premedyears.337. That's it. All right. Another comment? Guard bot. Mr. Bot wants to know, does it make sense to apply to an MD-PhD program if the research that I do is drastically different discipline, not in transitional or clinical nor social? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'd want to ask follow-up questions mm-hmm. um, because, you know, outside of MD-PhD, one of the things we're always trying to remind pre-meds is that uh, research is typically not as important as you would think it, you know, as, as students tend to think it is. But with MD-PhD, you're going to write a significant research essay, right? There's some, they, they're really going to hear in depth why you want to be an MD, MD-PhD, and they're going to want to hear in depth about your research. So if, if it's yeah. not translational or clinical or social, I'm kind of thinking, I really wonder what it is. But also, <laughs> yeah, I do, I do wonder if that could be a factor. It's and locked. I would want to know, I would want to know why then are they interested in, Me too. like you said, that's, that's the biggest question. Then why are you doing this? So. That's the question. Why are you applying MD PhD if, if you're not interested in doing that type of research? So we, we have uh, a team member who is potentially interested in applying to MD PhD, but she's interested in the public health side of things. And she has been told already um, as a, as a sophomore that she needs to go do some hard sciences research because that's what medical schools are looking for. And it's just like, why? I mean, public health is related to medicine. I don't know. doesn't sound like guard bot here is related to medicine. So yeah. that, that's going to be a harder sell. Mm-hmm. Victoria Collins. I'm a career changer, live music operations. That's cool. Um, I completed my bachelor's in uh, SNHU's online program, and I'm completing prerequisites at a community college. Uh, and then the question is red flags or will ADCOM still read PS? Uh, so we kind of already talked a few minutes ago about online community college, right? Some schools have biases, some don't. You can do some research about that. Um, the holistic review should mean that every single application gets looked at, but, but yeah, the ones with um, more interesting stats and earlier submissions tend to get looked at sooner. So I'm, I'm not really sure what you're asking here, right? This is, it, it's, it's echoing kind of what Ryan said before, 
you've already got your degree in an online program. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we say it's a red flag, are you going to go back and do 90 credits in a physical school? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Own it. Yeah. And, and the best piece of advice is reach out to some schools you're interested in talking and uh, going to. Yep. Just go, hey, here's my sitch. Yeah. On? And do that before you apply. Yeah. Because yeah. Once, once you've applied, they have to be very careful what they say to you. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. All right. You can go bring a comment, Marissa. I saw you picking a couple. Okay. <laughs> uh, Natalie. Uh, how many credits would be good for an upward trend? I have a 3.42 uh, cumulative GPA, 32 credits at 3.98. Would that be enough? It's the last two semesters. Is that okay, or should I do a post-bac? Um, hmm, interesting. Uh, typically, we say 30 is the bare minimum of an upward trend, right? So fewer than 30 credits, I would say you haven't sustained enough. But if you got... 32 credits in the last two semesters, it sounds to me like you took two semesters of 16 credits each. What you don't say is if they're all hard sciences. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure I have enough data to answer this question, Um, but it it does sound to me like, assuming those are all upper level sciences that you're probably in good shape. Um, I'm coming here to mapped again, zoom a little. So uh, we've mentioned before that with MAPS, you can do the free calcul- the GPA calculator for free at any time. But when you sign up, you can also get the um, free trial to our pro level where we can chat with you. So if you haven't already, Natalie, I would say come create an account here and ping us and we can take a more in-depth look at your courses with you um, with all the detail we would need. Yeah, I talked to someone on the primid years recently who was a Michigan resident and all but one of the schools in Michigan would accept her 20 credits as her new GPA. Um, wow. and so she did like 22 or 23. There was one school that wanted 25. And so she didn't cool. get an interview from them. All right. We, yeah. We've traditionally said 30, but apparently yeah. that's not always the case. Yeah. I've always said 25. And then Dr. Riot was like 40. And I'm like, okay, 25 to 40. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, it depends on what you're coming back from, right? So if someone had, I mean, I've seen this before, you know, people who are below two, then it's going to be a lot of credits just to prove that you're different than you were on the states. (laughs) Sorry, wasn't fast enough to mute. Fast enough to tell you, not fast enough to mute. Um, But yeah, it sounds to me like you're on the cusp. Um, So the big question that you didn't answer here is, are those all hard sciences? Mm Mm-hmm. Amy says, I recently got diagnosed with ADHD and I want to reach out to campus disability to get more time on tests, but I'm scared how med schools see that. They don't. Yep, they don't. But I will tell the student that if they're going to take the MCAT to go ahead and apply for accommodations, set yourself up for success. No one needs to know that you got accommodations if you're concerned about that, but don't, um, you know, don't let that fear interfere with you getting the help that you need. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago that the AAMC would mark a score with an asterisk that, that said, hey, med school, this test was taken wow. out of standard, uh, um, what do you call that? Um, like time and conditions. Conditions, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's like, 
Um, so the, the ADA had something to say about that. Uh, yeah. And so now med schools don't know if you got accommodations in your undergrad on the MCAT. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only time you have to tell them is once you're accepted and they send you a packet that says, hey, do you need accommodations for anything? Yep. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will mention, it, it's getting, I was going to say easier, maybe getting less challenging to get accommodations on the MCAT, but it is still pretty challenging. So Verini is absolutely right that you, you want to start that process early. Really? But mm-hmm. in my experience, it helps if you have proof of prior accommodations. So I think you're already on the right path, Amy, which is go work out, go reach out to campus disability, get those accommodations sorted out at school. And then when you apply for the MCAT, you'll be able to provide proof that you have a history of accommodations. Yeah, Good luck. The, the MCAT is a beast for accommodations. They, it is. they want lots of stuff, so. Yeah, it's expensive. It's time sensitive. It's like you have to do it early, but you can't do it too early. I mean, I'm really I'm glad you're advocating for yourself and and Godspeed. (laughs) Peter Naranjo. Hello, Peter Orange. Uh, Sorry, I really like your last name. That was meant as a compliment. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. He says, I've been shadowing an oncologist at Penn for three to four hours every two weeks for the past four months. I can't shadow more because I work full time. Does this look okay? I also use shadow. We aren't the arbiters of okay, man. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think is the question, is this enough? Are you going to continue shadowing? How many years are, are you from applying? If you're not applying to med school for four years and you want to know if you can stop now, then that's going to be a bad look when you do apply that you didn't like shadowing enough to do it for more than one short stint of your life. Um, if you're going to keep doing shadowing now and get, now and again all, all fall and winter and spring and you're applying in May, then you're probably fine. Deandra, hi, I am a URM who arrived seven years ago. I applied this year with a 3.84 GPA, 498 MCAT. I worked as a CNA for three years and also as a violin instructor. I have not received any invite or rejection. Any hope? Verenia. There's always hope (laughs) in this process. There's always hope. You should be positive. Um, It's hard to say with this information, Deandra, um, we don't, you know, we can't really say, it's not enough information is what I'm trying to say. Um, However, I will say this, it's still early in the process. Um, So I would not completely rule it out. But um, we generally say by the end of November around there, if you haven't heard anything, you might want to start considering, okay, what do I need to do? Look at my application. What do I need to do to maybe consider reapplying? Um, But yeah, based on what you've told us, you know, it's, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't rule it out completely, but it's hard to give you more solid information beyond that. Yep. Yeah. The the MCAT score is the most obvious thing that Mm -hmm. potentially is holding back. Um, Just working as a CNA for three years doesn't tell us how you wrote about that experience, how you reflected on it, um, how you showed impact there, being a violin instructor, great. There are 13 other spots on the application, at least for AMCAS. What did you fill those with? Do you have Mm -hmm. shadowing? There, There are so many questions here, which is why... 
it's it's really easy to answer kind of basic questions here on on Ask Mapped, and then these super detailed ones, Deandra. I, I think for you, Mapped Pro, go create an account, put all of your information in there, reach out to one of us through through Maps so that we can help guide you more specifically based on exact details. Yep. Agreed. John, John wants to know, is it okay to mention implicit biases that some physicians hold against racial and sexual minorities as a reason why I want to work with underserved communities? I'm worried that this is, quote, talking bad, end quote, about doctors. Yeah, I, I saw you post this and I wanted to make sure we got to it because I think it's a really interesting question. Um, here's my take. I'm glad you're aware of those biases and I think all of us hold some biases that we need to work on, but I think you can get at this issue in a more positive way. So for example, if you follow um, Joel Burvell um, on socials, he's done a lot of work on social media in the last year or two, um, shining a light on a lot of biases, specific, a lot, frequently with um, patients with melanin and dermatology, but with a whole lot of stuff. And recently he cited an NIH study that shows that race correlation results in better healthcare and lower cost, right? So rather than talking about, hey, there's some racist bigoted jerks out there, which yeah, unfortunately there are, um, you could kind of talk more about the positive side of it. So if you wanna talk about this issue, if that's part of your why medicine, then you should tell your story, you should be authentic. but. I think you're right to be be careful about um, about down talking other people because you know it's it's just you don't want to leave someone with a negative feeling from having interacted with you. Uh, and one point of clarification: his name is Joel Burvel. Oh, I did know that. Yeah, it's Joel. <laughs> <sighs> we Sorry, love Joel. Joel here. We do, and I just had a brain fart on how to pronounce his first name. Um, but yeah, definitely, if this is something that interests you, John, go check him out. He's, he puts all kinds of great stuff on TikTok and Instagram. Gets invited to the White House, other places. He's just Oh, yeah. Weird. He's famous. He has gotten really famous in the last year. Nobody invites <laughs> me to the White House. Pam, Pam, Ella. <laughs> Maybe it's Pamela. Uh, she wants to know, can I, quote, make up, end quote, a low GPA with a ton of research, volunteer, or clinical hours? I take issue with the word makeup or the phrase makeup, yeah. but stats are not the whole story. And we have definitely seen, I mean, it's a big part of the map to medical school ethos, is that good stats alone will not get you in. And sometimes people with lower stats, not, not necessarily bad stats, but lower stats will get in because they embody the qualities that med schools are looking for in physicians. So it's not because you did a bunch of research volunteer clinical hours because hours are not the important part, right? But if you've got a great story and you can write essays that show meaning and show impact, then it, it might be that there are going to be schools that are looking for those qualities and are less concerned about a GPA that's you know, a 3.2 instead of a 3.8. Um, you know, if it's 1.7 low GPA, then go do more courses, <laughs> right? <laughs> Ryan or uh, Renia, anything to add there? 
Yeah, they, there's no making up for anything. Uh, yeah. You can't compensate an MCAT for GPA, a GPA for an MCAT, activities for GPA or MCAT. Like Med schools need to make sure that you're academically capable. And they do that looking at your GPA. Yep. Mark Villers says, at what point is it appropriate to send schools an update later letter and or an interest letter? I started a job in an emergency department after submitting my primary, but it couldn't include it in many secondaries. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> what are the caveats around that? Now, but? If the school accepts it too, right? You wanna check to make sure if your school, if the schools that you're referring to are accept update letters, um, letters of, or interest letters, not all do. Um, but yeah, I think this is an appropriate thing to update on, um, especially since you didn't get a chance to discuss it in your secondaries, um, but first check to see if the school even accepts it. Yeah. Agreed. Psycon League of Legends. What would be your most important tips or insight on how to excel at a virtual interview? Feels daunting to not be able to connect with someone not in person. Hmm. Does so, it though? Does it? That's we've been, exactly we've been what doing I was this for, for two years now. Like, yeah. we can, like, I don't, that seems like a cop out to me. Yeah, it, it, especially from someone who seems to be an avid gamer. Like, yeah. You not connect with your fellow gamers and you probably don't even see them. You just hear them through the headset, right? Yeah. Um, so, and, and maybe I'm making an incorrect leap based on your name, but that was a guess. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've been working fully remote, only Zooming with colleagues, seeing them once a year, maybe since 2013. Like, I don't, I don't get what you're saying. I mean, I feel like I really connect with people over Zoom. Um, that's the main way I connect with people these days. So if you don't feel comfortable with it, then you need to practice. Um, now, Ryan did make several years ago, maybe the, at the first year of the pandemic, um, a great pre-med years podcast that is all about sort of setting up comfort in, t in the tech of a virtual interview. So how do you do your lights? How do you do your sounds? How do you do eye contact? So I would definitely check out that podcast. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. I don't know if you, you know it, Ryan. I'm looking for it. Okay. I think it's called like lights, camera, action or something. Um, yes, it is. But I would, I would also add. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I would just add that it's beyond just like the goal is not just to connect with this person, right? Be authentic, right? Talk about your passion and your motivation and, from, and you know, why you're doing this. That's what's going to, to kind of stand out. And I think that's what this person is looking for. What's going to make them stand out in a virtual interview? That's it. Yeah, you can connect as best as you can virtually. And like you guys were saying, we've been doing this for long now. Um, mm -hmm. I think we're, we're past that now. Uh, interviewers understand that. Um, mm -hmm. But really, it's, it's the way you connect is just by being you. <laughs> That's all. Yep. yep. Great. Yeah, that was episode 405. Episode 405. And I mentioned earlier, but I think if we can find it, we'll throw that banner back up. Uh, if you're in interview season right now, we're doing an interview sale until Monday. So now's a great time to sign up for one-on-one -on -one prep. Uh, there practice. it is. There it is. Uh, it's three till the hour. We can stop here. Or is there any last questions? All right. I guess we'll call that a day.
So thank you as always for coming, everyone. We love seeing you on Wednesdays. Uh, uh, we're here every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, and then many Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Ryan also does uh, a Q&A over on Instagram. So not this lots week. of, what'd you say? Not this not week. This, not this week, so I won't post that up. <laughs> every Wednesday, except, well, yeah. Mo I was going to say every Wednesday, most Fridays, but not every single Wednesday. Most, most Wednesdays, most Fridays. There you go. Yeah. We're here. We're here to answer your questions. And if you haven't already, sign up for MAP. It's free. No reason not to. Yep. Yes, yes. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Bye-bye. This is Dr. Gray again closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.